Well, happy Christmas Eve, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Tell somebody sitting close by, Merry Christmas. I think it's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord together on Christmas Eve, celebrating what Christmas is all about. Isn't it great today? Great to see all of you. You're welcome. Those joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, welcome to Christmas Eve at Grace. Um, I'm going to make a few comments here in a moment. We're going to worship the Lord together in song. But before we do, just a, a, a reminder of our holiday uh, schedule this week. Of course, um, this this week coming, uh, we'll, we'll dismiss all of our activities here on campus. Tuesday morning prayer is dismissed. Wednesday night Bible study is dismissed. We want you to just take the time and enjoy being with your family. And uh, we will gather again next Sunday, a week from today, on New Year's Eve. And we'll have 10 o'clock Sunday school and 11 o'clock worship service next Sunday. So make a note of that, and we look forward to seeing you then. And then also, uh, mark your calendar, first Tuesday prayer, January 2nd, first Tuesday evening prayer. We will dismiss that evening uh, as well. But also, I want you to uh, mark your calendar for January the 7th, the, the first Sunday of the new year, January 7th. We will have communion service in the 11 o'clock service that Sunday. So mark your calendar and come prepared for that. Amen. But we're glad to be here today, and we're going to celebrate the good news of the coming of Jesus Christ. I want to read to you this morning two verses, I'm sorry, three verses from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, of course, foretold and prophesied that, uh, that, that a, a child would be born. It would not be an ordinary child. It would be the Son of God, God wrapped in flesh. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And Matthew applies that, uh, the Gospel of Matthew applies that prophecy to the birth of Jesus Christ. Emmanuel meaning God with us. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord will perform this. Amen. God was passionate about coming and redeeming humanity back to himself. And I was reflecting on these verses this morning, preparing for the service, and I thought about that wonderful, wonderful composition by George Frederick Handel, Handel's Messiah. You've heard of it. You've heard that, Handel's Messiah. He wrote that entire oratorio uh, from the King James Version of the Scriptures to tell the story of the birth of Jesus Christ all the way through his passion, through his resurrection. And he borrowed heavily from these scriptures in Isaiah when he talked about and he wrote about and composed about the birth of Jesus Christ. And of course, he he put it beautifully in song. But what has really really grabbed my attention about that story and and how he composed his, his great epic work, The Messiah, They said at the end of all of that, all of those pages, handwritten composition, at the end of that, when he was done, he he wrote the the letters S-D-G, which stand for the Latin words, Soli Deo Gloria. 
it means to God alone be the glory. And there's just something about um, um, reflecting upon the birth of Jesus Christ, reflecting upon the passion of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus, God coming to earth to redeem humanity. All we can do is bow in his presence and say, to God be the glory. I'm thankful for redemption's plan today. And if you feel that way and if you're ready to worship the Messiah, would you stand today? Would you clap your hands and let's just say to God be the glory for the birth of the Messiah. God bless you, Grace Church. Let's celebrate today in worship and praise.
is beautiful here today, folks. Let's praise him all over the building. Let's praise the Lord today. Hallelujah. 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 Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. As you return to your seats, remain standing. Uh, it's been on my heart, sincerely, honestly, all week long, that we are truly gathered here today for him. This is all about a celebration of him. And I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful you're here today. Uh, this is an amazing turnout on Christmas Eve. Thank you all so much for being here. And uh, to all of our guests here today, welcome. We're so glad you're here today. And uh, we've come today to just simply worship. That's why we're here. I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful that he came. Thank the Lord. I want to, we're going to worship a little bit more in just a few moments, but I do want to read a couple of passages of Scripture and uh, share a thought with you today uh, from Matthew chapter 2, as you may would expect, beginning with verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born? king of the Jews we have seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him and when verse 9 when they had heard the king they departed and lo the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was and when they saw the star they rejoiced with exceeding great joy and when they were come into the house they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him and when they had opened their treasures they presented unto him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh I want to title this for the next few moments wise men worship wise men worship God bless you today and you may be seated <clears throat> I mentioned very briefly last Sunday about the players or actors if you will that make up the Christmas story a lot of people from different walks of life from different professions from different income levels rich poor Celebrities, if you will, famous people, not so famous people, they all make up the Christmas story. Of course, you have Mary and Joseph, you have Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, you have King Herod, the shepherds, the wise men, the angels, you have the priest in the temple, the list goes on. But I find it very interesting that a part of this story is a star. And uh, there's a lot of speculation. A lot of you have probably read about it. Um, there's people that have tried to figure out exactly what that star was. Uh, and nobody really knows. But bottom line to me, the star represents a couple of things. Number one, it's heaven and earth intersecting. Heaven and earth intersecting with each other. And then you have the intersection of time and eternity something from the heavens gracing the planet earth it's interesting to me in the Christmas story 
that God used angels and men and women. But again, I suppose the most interesting to me is a star, the star, whatever it was. It made its appearance and it caught the attention of a handful of men from a long ways off. And it's apparent in the scripture that they're the only ones that saw this star. It's believed that the wise men that were such a prolific part of the Christmas story were very intelligent men, very educated, very wealthy. Uh, but they also had a propensity to take their studies, their knowledge, their education, their thought processes. They had a propensity apparently to even move them and direct them in a heavenly direction. They were not just secular men. There was an air of spirituality about them. I'll take it a step further. I believe there was an air of spiritual hunger about them. They had that, that human desire after reaching some plateau of knowledge, of experience, of research and study, perhaps they finally came to the conclusion that there has to be a God out there somewhere. We have a hunger for Him because we want something legitimate to worship. Everybody say amen. Most commentators believe that they were from Persia. The Iran area now, I dispute that, but who am I? Anyway, um, they saw the star in the east. They, they had to come from the direction of the Mediterranean Sea. We'll, another subject for another time. But they had thoughts that consumed them, that, that got a hold of them, that would not let them go, that there has to be more to life. There has to be more than what we know to life there's something else that we must experience. There's something else that we have to worship. Uh, it's interesting to me, and I, I'm not trying to put more into this story than exists, but if you study it, you'll find the same is true, that what they were pursuing was diverse to their culture. What they were looking for, their culture didn't lend to that. You have to understand that. Follow me here for a moment. First, they came asking. They asked Herod, where is he that is born king of the Jews? That's not in their culture. That's not how they think. They're not programmed to think that way. They're not pro programmed. They're not wired that way. But what's really interesting to me is when they found that baby, and I'll come to the, the, this point in just a moment, but when they found this baby, they worshipped him. They worshipped a baby. In particular, as they were pursuing this, some kind of a manifestation of God that this star told them somehow it existed. They searched until they found him. Again, I'm not here to try to make this story into something it's not or try to find something new, some new strange thing in this story of the wise men. But if you'll study it a little bit, you'll find that what I'm saying about these men is true. Commentators 
agree and estimate there were about 10 to 15 of them because they traveled in larger groups for safety reasons from, to protect themselves from predators and even robbers and thieves and so on. But here's something I would like for all of us to think about. I would be curious to know how this conversation began. Now we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Scripture says that. We, we agree with that. But it's also understood that it took them about two years to finally get to Jesus. It took them about two years to get that moment, to get to that moment of worship and realization and to bring him their gifts. He was about two years old when they finally found him. But I would be curious to know how the conversation among these men started. In my mind, I picture them sitting in a tent, having some gathering to discuss their philosophies and, and what have you. And one of them just piped up and said, you know, y'all going to probably think I'm weird and strange, but I was just out the other night outside of my tent, my house, wherever they lived, and I was gazing up into the sky, and something caught my attention. It was phenomenal. I can't explain it. There was, it has to be a star. And it was incredibly bright. I want to stress again this morning. The Bible gives no hint. It doesn't intimate in any way that anyone else saw this. So they're having this conversation and this man, one of them pipes up and says, I saw this thing and I, I can see his cohort sitting across the room and saying, you know, it's weird that you mentioned that because a week or so ago I was outside one night and just walking around and um, I saw something very similar, probably the same thing, and they got to talking. And uh, one said, well, I saw it too, and one said, I saw it as well. And I can picture these people getting up and said, well, it's, it's nighttime right now. Let's just go out and see. And they walk out and, and they see this star. And something on the inside of them starts to churn because apparently they're the only ones that's seen it. Nobody else has. And, and it grabs their attention and gets a hold of them. And at some point they agree. Listen to Pastor this morning. They agree. They can't go find that star. And taking a long walk across the desert is really not going to get them a whole lot closer. But there was something compelling I can't explain it, and neither can you. But all I can say is when somebody has a hunger for God, when somebody has a hunger for worship, God is going to put something or someone in your pathway, and you can't get your eyes off of that. You can't get your mind off of that. You can't quit thinking about that, and after a while, you've got to move on and say, hey, I've got to move in direction of this thing that's compelling me, that's drawing me. It's kind of like when I first found Jesus. I had to understand I've got to know more about him. I've got to come in contact with him. I want to understand who he is. I want to know what he's about. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. 
Now here's a really bizarre thing. Let me do something way out of our, our ordinary here this morning, but I want to suppose, say myself, Brother Dave, Brother Ben, Brian, throw Tommy Goins in the mix, Daniel Love, uh, looking around the room, Boo Tipler, Jonathan Adams. See, we got 10 or 12 men, and we're all standing outside, and we've been looking at the sky, at this star. And we all agree. I don't know how to say this. If I saw a star today like that in all of our modern technology, I understand I still can't get to it. Are y'all with me on this? This happened to me at about 1 o'clock in the morning this past Monday. And I hadn't been able to sleep good since until I tell you about it. I can't imagine how they felt. They had no way or means to get to that star, but there was something about it that was compelling them. And at some point, Brother Tommy, they have to walk into their wife and their family and say, uh, we've seen this incredible phenomenon. And again, the Bible doesn't lend anything to anybody else seeing it. Maybe their wife, Sheila walks outside and I don't see nothing. All I see is just a bunch of regular stars out there and Farrah walks outside, I don't see no star. I mean, other than what we normally see, and Ethel walks out, I don't see no star. And, they, and their wives get together, and they start chatting about it, that their hubbies want to run off somewhere in pursuit of whatever this star thing means. And they all agree that I think our husbands have lost their mind. If it was an object out on the horizon of the earth, I could see it. If it was something you could see off in the distance, that's attainable, I could see it. You know the problem in people's pursuit of God, oftentimes they think he's unreachable. They can't quite get to him. But if you go in the direction that your heart is compelling you to go, you'll find him. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm having a hard time shutting this down right now. You'll find him. You'll find him. So much like Abraham telling Sarah, God has called me to a land, but he won't tell me where it's at and how far away it is, they persuade their family. Listen to pastor. We're leaving. We're packing up. We're going to be gone a while. We don't know where we're going, and we don't know what we're going to find when we get there. But if you've not heard anything else I've said today, I want you to hear this because it has to do with my conclusion. It's coming up in about three minutes. The Bible said they brought with them gifts. They were prepared to meet something. They were prepared to meet somebody. And we're not going to show up empty-handed. This past Wednesday night, Brother Jason did a taught a phenomenal Bible study about the shepherds. It's interesting to me, and he pointed it out, that after they saw the baby, they left worshiping. They left praising God. But when the wise men found this baby, they showed up praising God. The Bible said when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. 
And the gifts they brought with them were not just random gifts. They were not just something they threw in the bag, but they were prophetic gifts that were not just for a baby. Their, their gold represented him as a king. Their frankincense represented him as a priest. Their myrrh represented him as a man. The myrrh was what they had used to anoint a dead body. These men were telling themselves and telling the world that would hear this story from hereafter that this is not just a baby. This is God. This is God manifest in the flesh. This is truly the king of the Jews. But what they didn't understand, he was not just the king of the Jews, but he came to be their king. He came to be their God that they could worship. He came to be that person in flesh that would die for their sin and could give them everlasting life. Everybody stand to your feet and let's worship the Lord. Praise God. So, when they came, the Bible said, listen to pastor, they worshiped with exceeding and great joy. Exceeding is behemoth, means vehemently. In a high degree, it means much. Great and it is a, in a very wide application. It defines a very broad definition that means high, large, loud, and mighty. They rejoiced. Here are these men of profound dignity, if you will, profound modesty, if you will. When they saw him, I don't know how else to say it. They literally went berserk. Completely stepped outside the box of who they were, what their reputation said they were, of what their families thought they were. It didn't matter at this moment. And here's another thing that hit me with this that I just, I can't get away from it. Their culture didn't lend to Jehovah, the Messiah, their culture didn't lend to that. They, I don't know how they knew about it, but the thing that perplexes me, I suppose, the most, and I want everybody to hear this, is their culture. I can't find any culture of that era that worshiped babies. Who does that? We'll talk about how cute they are and which parent they look like and the color of their hair and if it's curly or if they have any. We talk about all those things. But who has ever heard of men of renown, of dignitaries coming and kneeling at the side of a baby bed and going berserk in their worship? Something was churning on the inside of them. Listen to me, folks. We're here for him today. We're here for him. We're celebrating his birth today. Y'all understand that? We're here for him. We're here for him. I wonder if just for a few minutes, if we could just step outside of ourselves just a little bit. We might be of renown and we might have reputation and we've got our families and our kids and we don't want to see our kids to see us, you know, acting, you know, 
But we're here for him today. Can we just let loose on this Christmas Eve Sunday just a little bit in worship? Now, I've asked them to sing a song for me. I've requested this because there's one line in it. There's one line that I want when we sing it. You all know it. It's an old, old, old song. When we get to the part, that one line, where the last verse goes like this, then Christ shall come. It's going to be amazing and glorious and we're all going to be caught up to meet him. But that one line says, then I shall bow. sing it all together right now. Everybody, y'all sing. How great thou art. Let's sing it together. Then sings my soul my Savior God to
sing this chorus one more time, but just want to say Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope you all have a great holiday today and tomorrow. Enjoy your time with family and friends. God bless you. Thank you for coming today. Greet one another. Wish each other a Merry Christmas, why don't you? And let's celebrate the birth of Christ, shall we? Thank the Lord. Y'all sing it. Let's sing.